Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show, it's show 546. We're recording this on the 6th of November, 2020, at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, and you'll be able to watch our roundtable show every Friday on Facebook, and you can join us live and see, see the panel in, in real time and see how I abuse or they abuse me which is very amusing um we've got two great guests with us um heather wide and we've got joe casabona with us and um heather's gonna be joining us on a more regular basis but joe um also hopefully will be joining us at least once a month um so i'm gonna let um heather um, introduce us so heather would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers yeah, hi. Uh, I, I'm really happy to be joining you guys more frequently. Um, I am Heather Wild. I am a um, an author, a coach, a speaker, a CTO. Uh, I um, <laughs> I do a lot of stuff. Um, and um, right now, I am the digital solutions lead for a company called The Difference. Uh, and uh, we work on uh, we work with the uh, government, the the U.S. Air Force, the Space Force, uh, DoD on on getting um, their uh, innovation initiatives up and running. Um, so making sure all of their really cool projects that they want done, like like uh, flying cars, like eVTOLs and, and things like that, um, actually happen. So like at the beginning of the year, I got to actually do something. Uh, like we, we started an initiative in the early part of the year that said uh, we want flying cars by the end of the year. And like in December, we're having an event that shows like all the flying cars that were made this year. So it's really pretty cool. Like all the stuff I get to do every day. There we go. Average girl with a flying car. There we go. Uh, um, Joe, Joe, can you, can you, can you outdo that, Joe? You know, flying cars, NASA. Uh, I really wish I went first now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's my feeling. That, well, that's my feeling about my whole life after Heather's introduction, actually. But there we go. Yep. All right. Uh, my name is Joe Casabona. I am a web and WordPress developer uh, turned podcast coach. So uh, my main gig these days is I help people launch and grow their podcasts. That sounds fantastic. And I've got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to this and views? Uh, Spencer Foreman from launchflows.com, or you can find me on the homepage of a WP Fusion if you'd like to have a call. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly, I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl, organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup. And if you're interested in speaking next week, please get in touch with me. That's great. And um, before we go into the main stories of the week, um, I just want to talk about one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinster Hosting. Kinster Hosting is the premier WordPress hosting solution. That means they only host WordPress. If you've got a WooCommerce site for yourself or for clients, a learning management system, a podcast, anything that needs extra performance and reliability, Kinsta's a great choice. They offer the latest technology. They host on Google Cloud. They have fantastic resources, customized interface, all the technology, one-click backup, and latest versions of PHP. Whatever you're looking for, um, you will find it, I'm sure, at Kinsta. So go over to Kinsta. Look at their products, buy one of them, and if you do do that, and I suggest that you should for yourself and for your clients, please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic Show. So on to our first story. WordPress 2019 survey results show 
professionals slow to adapt, block editor, blah, blah, blah. What did you think of this, Sandy? Uh, uh, You know, I suppose from my personal perspective, uh, I found it uh, slightly surprising. But if I think a bit, you know, knowing all the people like Spencer, um, I don't think it's that surprising. Uh, And of course, there's there's a lot of uh, time to be taken uh, to convert stuff. I mean, there's there's some things I'm still in the process of converting for client sites that were built, uh, you know, not with a block editor. Uh, anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows I am a big fan of the block editor. Uh, but uh, of course, you know, part of it is, are you going to convince your clients to pay you to uh, spend a lot of time uh, implementing something where the immediate result is simply that your website looks just like it did before. Uh, That's a difficult one. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, Joe, what do you reckon? Well, uh, yeah. So I think um, the block editor was always kind of a new user acquisition tool, right? I mean, um, it was something to bring it up to speed with the the Wix and the Squarespaces. So I'm not entirely surprised that the adoption among WordPress professionals has been slow. Uh, I'd be interested to see uh, a survey on maybe new users and, and I guess they don't have a choice in adoption, right? If they're just yeah. starting from scratch, but they're general well, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily aware, aware right. of it. Although I think maybe the most notable thing about this survey is how few people filled it out. Com- compared to prior years and that uh, although we have you know technically a statistically significant sample i don't know that we really have a <coughs> very representative uh <coughs> you know what they need sally the, you know what they need sally's recount <laughs> oh god <laughs> stop the counting <laughs> that's, that's what they continue need, the they? counting depends on the state we're in Yes. Yeah, like, really <laughs> I decided to do it. I was too tempted to target. I just decided to. Um, Heather, what did you think of this one? Well, as I said last week, um, I'm one of the people that will, like, I hate block editors. I love to go in and so I, I, I'm one of those people that this is totally about, that, like, it's it's the professional, it's the block editor the, that you don't want. But I also found it really interesting that uh, people are stopping using it as a blog. Um, so yeah, like the, uh, that it, that it, more people are starting to use, uh, WordPress as a CMS. Um, and I'm not entirely sure they know what that word means. (laughs) Uh, Well, I can tell you, I don't know what it means. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, so like if, if people are using WordPress as their, their full on like Salesforce replacement then that is really interesting because yes. like... I, I think mean, that would be scary. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's, except Salesforce is a CRM. Uh, 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 but so is Jetpack now. Yeah, sort of. Uh, I mean, you know, Jetpack, all things to everyone or nothing to anybody. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, like, there it's... But this is like, I mean, it's the content management system, but people really are developing these sites like i mean if you see the all the contact information that's going into this and like if you dug into the the full results the full data that they're saying like what people are using this for they're like building entire applications yes and, and people do it and of course spencer is one of those people who's you know got the uh, the salesforce replacement type uh, tools or salesforce integration depending on what you want but um and uh, Adrian, who is who is not with us today, uh, but uh, yes, I mean sometimes people build out things in WordPress where there are existing tools that are probably better, and sometimes people build out things in WordPress because, well, uh, it it gives you a you know it gives you a central place to uh, manage things. So I haven't tried. Uh, the CRM aspect, but, you know, there's a lot of event management, e-commerce, mm. um, you know, the e-commerce especially is increasing in demand uh, lately. But the other thing is that blogging in general is down. It's not just like use of WordPress for blogging, but the more social platforms came into existence, the less people spent time blogging. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess there's there's more people that are sharing the same thing over and over rather than writing things themselves now. Well, there's that. And then there's just the look, um, you know, I was always the person who only wanted to toss a, a, off a short remark versus a, a, a whole blog post. Or, you know, I was always the person who just wanted to like take a picture of, of where I was or what I was doing and share that and you know, not write a blog. Oh, they, they were the days when you could actually go out and go somewhere. Well, there yeah, we back go. At, back in the day where there might be some place to take a picture. Uh, yeah, there we go. Spencer, what did you think of this? I, I'm so glad that I get to be last on this because I got. I so thought much, you were. I thought you. I were got too. so much to unpack from my steamer trunk on this one. Okay, <laughs> first of all, let us all celebrate the return of Otto. To this post. <laughs> oh, yes. Good. Okay. Otto is neither dead nor has he been informed by a year of being missing in action or something. He is <laughs> as snarky and sarcastic as ever with his hey, what are you what are you talking about? What's what are you trying to do here? What's up? I don't understand. What's the problem? It's you, it's not me. Okay. Besides that part of it, let's clarify what's going on here in general with Gutenberg. Gutenberg's problem is because Automatic wants to be medium, but at the same time, it's got like one of those like Star Trek, uh, you know, costumes where half of its face is one color, one's the other. Like it's a duplicitous relationship because it's also trying to be a page builder. And if you look at Medium, the reason that people still put stuff there despite the paywalls and everything else is because for people who write... They focus 100% on optimizing the writing experience. For people who build stuff, whether it's a CRM or it's a fancy business thing or whatever, nobody would use Medium. There's no such tool on there. And the problem is this Gutenberg can't decide what it wants to be because they're claiming it's an editor. But the editors, if you scroll down in this article, the person says, 2,157 one-star reviews and only 600 or so five-star reviews, that's because it sucks at doing both. It's That's because the plugin is all the beta crap, and of course it's broken. Whatever, but it's not two days ago they made this. It's You said last week it was like two and a half years already it's going on, right? So if you can't decide if you want to be peanut butter or chocolate and you can't live together like Arisa's peanut butter cup, you're screwed because nobody will love you for any reason at all. But the final nail in the coffin on this is that there's no reason for it to be a page builder. Zero. There is absolutely none. All that this should be would be an improved version of the classic editor that optimizes this to make it awesome for whom? Writers so that it competes with Medium and so forth. Because if they would just do that, then somebody can pop in a little page builder or even ACF Pro and have the most amazing experience possible. But somewhere along the line, they decided to do this other stuff. And now we're in the this bizarre. The well, yeah, best, trying to be Wix and Medium at the same time is not going to work. The, the, best comments, the best comments in this are the ones that I've been hearing from my users, which is, I... I can't figure out what's going on. That's my problem. Even when I made the plugin to make it better, every time it gives me a headache, like that young lady who said, literally, <laughs> I can't use this. It gives me a headache. No, really, an actual headache. And the second problem that I see is from people who are trying to do page builder stuff where they're like, why? Why am I even wasting another moment of my life on this? Because Elementor is free or Divi Builder, the basic one is available, or whatever you want to use. So to be honest with you, I say that they should just like call it DOA at the moment, change it into a better version of classic for writing, and be done with all this nonsense, because there's no way they're catching up with any of these other builders. No way. Could you ever imagine? I don't know if any of you guys use anything like Elementor, but like there's a hundred plus developers working on Elementor and millions of dollars. They are never in a jillion years going to catch up with this doing it like homebrew computer club method that they're doing at the moment. Right, Heather? She's shaking her head. In, in yeah, fear. no, exactly. I mean, there's all these years. I mean, all of the, the bloat that's in WordPress, all the things that people compare about. Hi, Steve. Hey, all how's it going? All of the, um, Sorry, I'm running a little bit late. All, all of that, everything that, that people complain about with WordPress, like at least it's got like 
a huge community behind it. And um, I mean, and, and there is the open source community here as well to, to keep uh, increasing the, the security, the, as much as like, I mean, I'm the, I'm a security person, like as much as like, there are the, the things that go wrong with it. There's nothing like the things that go wrong with something like Elementor or Ghost or any of the other stuff. Hey Joe, um, just to finish off, as I was listening to Spencer, I, I think this this I think is there are some truths in what Spencer's saying. Um, I don't always agree with everything Spencer says, but I think but I think it's down to a deeper problem, Joe. I think it's down to the kind of schizoid position of Matt and automatic in general, because in some ways they want to be a kind of startup. They want to you know, they want it to be like free software and then but at the same time they take three hundred million dollars from you know from Salesforce and you know and they're probably gonna go public next year. It it seems like they want to be everything at the same time. And and I think you see it with the editor and or am I totally wrong, Joe? No, you're exactly right. And that's always been the MO of WordPress, right? Is that we uh, we are a blog and we're an e-commerce system and we are a CRM. I mean, look at Jetpack. Jetpack Sherlock's more than Apple does, right? And uh, like Sherlock was invented from what Apple does. Um, so for those of you who don't know, right, Sherlocking is when Apple or some company takes a third-party app or plugin and then builds it into the native experience, right? And Jetpack does that, I think, more than anybody um, because they want to be everything to everyone. And as Spencer was saying, that that doesn't work, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. I just had a student recently ask me, like, hey, I'm using Elementor, but, like, should I use Gutenberg instead? Like, I don't understand what the difference is. And I'm like, this is this is a branding problem. And as we talk about, Gutenberg moving into other parts of the theme and 2021 basically being a blank slate for block patterns, like it's going to confuse the problem even more. So uh, I think that part of it is that there's no clear roadmap, right? Um, I was talking about that on another podcast where like uh, with W3C choosing craft CMS, there's no clear roadmap for WordPress because certain people can just come in and drop a bomb and be like, I want 5.4 to have the full screen editor and then leave. And then, and then the contributors are left uh, to pick up the pieces and figure out what are we going to do here? So uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, that got a little ranty at the end, but you're yeah. right there. So yes, it's the sort of rant that uh, Spence and Jonathan will cheer you I, on. I, for, I heard so. Joe twice this week. You were on like uh, two podcasts showed up of Joe. <laughs> I, right? It was, yeah, I'm on. I'm on the podcast world tour this uh, this month. He is. He was on our interview show. He did a great job. I really enjoyed the, the discussion. Um, on to our next story. Um, everyone has something to hide, or well, not me. <laughs> I've got plenty of things to hide. And Stephen has joined us as well. Stephen, what did you think of this article? Uh, the privacy debate is always an interesting one because uh, we were talking about security uh, yesterday a little bit, and um, privacy and security has have a lot to do with each other. The more privacy you give up, the easier life tends to be because people can make assumptions and know what's going on, right? Like if I have a personal assistant, the more privacy I give up for my personal assistant the more they can augment what I'm doing and be able to anticipate my needs. The same thing goes for Google search or Instagram. Um, but at the same time, when you give up that privacy, you give up information about yourself and you expose vulnerabilities about yourself. And in that exposure of vulnerability, it's important to know who can take advantage of that vulnerability and what sort of things do they have in mind or what do they want to do? Um, and it's kind of a catch-22 because in the moment, convenience feels like it's a nice thing and oftentimes wins out. But over time, you can start seeing uh, the implications of giving up that privacy for that convenience sake and maybe some of the negative aspects. But by that time, a lot of times it's almost too late and you're too embroiled in whatever system. And um, Thanks for that, Stephen. Heather. 
Isn't this a totally irrelevant discussion in some ways? Because after Snowden's revelations, there is no privacy because the American government has built a worldwide network and they're monitoring everything, you know, on Zoom. They're monitoring this discussion now. Um, Their computers are monitoring it right now, looking for keywords. They're monitoring everybody's emails. Basically, they're monitoring everything by what Snowden um, has told us. So this idea you've got any privacy anyway, I, I just consider that everything I do, that the American security services have got some interest in it. Maybe we should change your middle name to Q. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so uh, it's a it's a really tricky thing. Um, there's a there was a great book uh, a few years ago by David Eggers called The Circle, um, and they made a movie out of it, which was like it was kind of trashed, but it was also I mean it was it was very good, and like I think you should all give it a rewatch sometime fairly soon because I mean it it hand it, it under it pretty much handles exactly this topic that like what is there that is secret about our lives and should we um be transparent or should we like what what is transparency and um as a CTO I'm always trying to explain to my employees that like yes we can have a value of transparency we can we can be transparent, but that doesn't mean we share like all of our financial records with everyone all the time. It doesn't mean that like you, you, you're walking around with no clothes on um, all the time because you uh, because everyone knows that like what our skin looks like. You know, there's there's a there is an expectation of of privacy um that that we have and and yeah but the point I'm making Heather is that that doesn't exist anymore because the American Secret Service with the help of the British Secret Service and other well yeah it's hardly it's hardly just the Americans or just the government yeah no I mean so yes the governments can can like there, there are satellites that can pinpoint exactly where a person is on the planet, um, except it's not satellites. They they're using phone data. No, no, no. I'm they? saying there are satellites that yeah. <laughs> can pinpoint where. Yeah, yeah, is. She should know from satellites. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, but I mean, there's also cell phone. I mean, like because there's a lot of places on the planet right now that there are no there's no cell phone coverage, and people try to go to those places and live off the grid. Well, guess what? We can find you uh, if we want to. The the difference is. We don't want to. Like, I mean, all these people that are worried about someone tracking you. Like this article is about like the like the fear, the paranoia that people have that like someone is after them, someone is watching them, like that constant living in fear. It's not, it's not happening. Like the the government isn't the government isn't watching this Zoom call right now. At the present moment. I would but- I would hope they'd have something better to do. Yeah, no, they don't need to. They like they they know who to go after. They know when to go after people. The the problem is if they're profiling people um for bad reasons. Like I mean one of the things that, that and I'm sorry I'm taking up so much time on this. Oh, no, no, go for it. <laughs> you're, you're the one who knows the most. Yeah, yeah. I mean in in China, like people keep looking to China for like their their social uh credit system that they're using. And I mean, in China, they actually think this is a good thing. Like the, the Chinese people believe this is a good thing because like they're, they're plussing and minusing. I, I would strongly challenge you well, on the, that particular I mean, well, statement ever. But probably the, not but, all of them, but. No, no, they don't. But, but I mean, like the, as far as the rest of the world, like we see the Black Mirror episode about this and we're freaked out. And because we don't want that to happen. But if if like what are the other options eventually down the road? I mean, like if, if you if you read like if, if you think about something like Star Trek and you look at the Borg, like we're I'm great fans of them actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Borg actually were kind of traumatized by the rest of the universe when all they're trying to do yeah, for their Borgs. perspective. Yeah, from their, from their perspective, they're trying to unite everyone. 
And meanwhile, everyone else is like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, there we go. There we go. It's a bit like the election. Joe, yes, um, <laughs> um, can I just pass it over? Joe, can I... Um, you know, isn't, aren't people being very naive, Joe, really? And basically after Snowden's revelations, which amazed me how Pete, how in some ways it didn't cause a, a lot more ruckus than it did. Um, it, it was like a lot of the population, uh, so I, I don't really care about this. But fundamentally, the idea you got any privacy after Snowden's revelations is a bit naive, really, isn't it? I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because back in, uh, in I, I guess it was 2001, right? Uh, some surveillance, um, the Patriot Act was passed, right? And I argued tooth and nail, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about, right? And now, 20 years later, I'm a little older and a little wiser, and I'm a little, a lot more on the internet. Um, but, uh, you know, I found this article interesting because it does talk about, for, it's an analytics company that's talking about digital privacy, which I thought was funny. Um, but it's also, I think what we're talking about is is kind of two different things, right? So um, he, this article talks a little bit about like Facebook and Google and what they're tracking, Um and to that, I say, like, if you're not paying for a service, then you're the product, right? Like Steven said, uh, where it, it's it's a, an argument of convenience. Um, but I think that there's a severe lack of understanding in privacy for a lot of people. Case in point, when iOS and Android rolled out uh, the potential for contract contact tracing for COVID, People went bananas. The government can track your every move with this single update on your phone, posting it on Facebook. And so I had to, I didn't have to, but I chose to correct a lot of people and say, if you're, Facebook knows more about you than this contact tracing app, right? Um, the, I, think, I think that the, the government's trying to track my every move uh, is very... I am the uh, main character in my own movie, right? The government doesn't give a crap about what I looked at on the internet yesterday or where I was yesterday. I well, was at home. the present moment, they don't, Joe. Yeah, and if I break, you know, if I break the law, then maybe they will. Or if I'm some person, of, or if I, you know, I, I call, I called the current president a fat lady today. So maybe I don't know. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Is the context of that. Um, and uh, maybe he'll get mad at me and want to track me. But I just, it's, I think we make it bigger in our minds, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I'm not, I'm not particularly, I have internet connected cameras, right? Like somebody can hack into those and see into my house. But I made that choice because uh, most of the time it's going to be me looking at those cameras, making sure no one's breaking into my house. Uh, well, it's interesting that, you know, the article talks so much about um, social cooling, and yet um, I'm not seeing it because he's like, if we all become more well-behaved due to fear, does this make us less human and less sincere? I'm sorry, but like, who have you seen on the internet that's well-behaved uh, in, you know, recent memory? Uh, you know, theoretically, we know uh, everyone is watching us. And for some people, that's just like, I have a platform, so I'm going to be a, 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 you know, a bigger jerk than I uh, might otherwise. Uh, well, I just think, I just find, I just find these conversations amazing because I just think people think, um, the only reason why people, um, and I'm not being disparaging to the panel on what's been said, but I think um, it's extremely naive because fundamentally, um what you're really saying so far, panel, is the government doesn't care because you're in irrelevance. And um, it's totally understandable and totally logical, but it's when you do become a relevance, when you do become, a, you know, somehow you become a voice for a community, you become a figure like Dr. King, when you become a pain in the arse for the establishment, they will use these monitoring 
and there's surveillance to try and destroy you, even though you're just well, trying... Well, th- this is a problem, except, you know, um, they seem to manage to use th- what they had in days when they didn't have nearly such wide surveillance. No. Uh, so I, I, I'm thinking that it's not a technology problem. Uh, yeah, I, I take what you say. All right, Spencer. Spencer, that has three ladies listening to every word he says, monitoring just, just awaiting con- your command. Monitoring everything he says. He has his three ladies, listeners and viewers. You know, uh, um, what did you it's think, a, Spencer? Like two, of, two of my girlfriends are in a. We're in a symbiotic relationship. The third one is the Microsoft one. Begins with a C. I can't say her name because she'll block my view. She comes on randomly, which concerns me more because I thought I disabled her because I don't need. Oh, but there must have been an update. The, or, the Ortana one. Uh, but that one comes on. But here's the facts that I experience daily that many of you can understand, which Joe really hits nail on the head, but people still don't follow facts. We, we now know that for sure here in America during the election season, is that everything you're doing online, unless you're using a VPN, which I do use occasionally, um, is essentially being tracked. If anybody wants to see this in action, and I'm channeling Morton here now in my way of explaining this, simply do this experiment. Talk around the presence of any of your devices, including your phone. Type anything into any of your browsers. Go onto Facebook. You will see immediately, immediately, within three minutes, ads that represent what you just talked about. That's fact. It is undeniable, unescapable, unless you're on a VPN or some other blocker. So... Uh, give it a try, yeah, and say something or talk about something you don't normally do, John. Like you know, what kind of wig does like, President Trump wear? No, no, it has to be a product. <laughs> right, right. A product. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So do a search for do a search for electric bicycles. Right. Seriously, and by the I'll end of the after show, show, it will show up inside of your things, right? So the yes. point I'm making is, from a marketing standpoint, we're all being tracked. For some reason, those people who are very happily tracked to be given a custom user experience freak the F out when you talk about, like, they're going to track you to know who you've been in touch with about the COVID thing, as Joe rightly said. That's a mindset problem. That's not a factual discrepancy. But yet, this is the world we live in in America where we're like 12th century mindset following fairy tales and leaders that do bad by us. At the same time, the rest of the world is doing everything else to make sure that we can actually turn that technology at least half of the time in our favor by doing stuff for our benefit. But like, you know, this is an argument in America all the time, whether it's about abortion or vaccines or religion or anything else. As soon as you say to people, science could actually be used for good in combination with technology. No, no, can't have any of it. But if you want to talk about using the same technology for, you know, can I get my Black Friday sale over at TJ Maxx? Absolutely. So I don't know what the solution is to be fair about it because, like, the best we can hope for is that those of us who know how to use the technology can avoid the problems or do, a, like, a Tom Cruise and a minority report and get our little, you know, retina replacement contact lenses and stuff because that's where we're going with all of this. And, by the way, this does feed into the right to repair because recently Massachusetts said right to repair is now a mandate where there were billions of dollars being spent by the industry and including Apple to make every single thing that's made essentially non-repairable by anybody but them. And yet they don't repair anything. It's replaced. So the problem was things like you buy a car from the 70s. Those things can run forever. If you just buy parts and a couple of screwdrivers, done. You buy an iPhone 12, You can't repair or replace anything because all the parts are serialized and you have to go to an Apple service dealer and they won't give parts to anybody else or the schematics, whether it's a a ventilator, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's a tractor, all the manufacturers want to go that way. That's a scarier proposition than anything because the rest of us are going to be stuck with like, you can't plug into the system that everybody's into and you can't go to a reasonable repair place. What are you going to do about it? You're stuck. So there you go. Oh well, thanks for that. We're going to go for a break, folks. Got a couple more stories. I've, I think there's the discussion with the help of our fantastic guest panelists has been superb so far. But uh, we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Launch flows turns your WooCommerce website 
into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. It's been a broad discussion. I've quite enjoyed it so far. Hopefully you have listeners and viewers. You're going to have to be a bit more proactive and tell us, um, leave some comments on the Facebook page if you like what you've been hearing so far. Um, before we go into another story, I want to be want to tell you a webinar that me and Spencer are going to be doing um, next Friday, right? reasonably quickly after the show, around 1030 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Friday the 13th. Oh, my God, that's spooky, but I think we can cope. Um, It's going to be a webinar about how you can use WordPress technology to build um, real, real fantastic marketing funnels, the equivalent, or I would say much better than click funnels. If that sounds interesting, all, all you've got to do to sign up for this free webinar, and you'll be able to ask me and Spencer, especially Spencer, questions during the webinar, is go over to the WP Tonic page and right in the main navigation, right at the top, there's a, a button that says webinar. You click it and you sign up and you'll be able to join us next Friday. It should be a blast. Please do that. So on to the next story. Um, Full site editing is not the end of artistic WordPress themes. And that was from the Tavern, from our beloved editor of the Tavern. Uh, um, What did you think of this one, Stephen? Um. Sorry, I'm trying to find my unmute. Sorry, I woke you up, did I? (laughs) No, I was just looking at the articles. Um, I think the idea of a full site editor is interesting when it comes down to creativity because you put people in a place where the expectation is you can control everything. When it comes to creative themes, oftentimes there's very little control that is allowed to, uh, that the end user is allowed to manipulate because there's so much in that theme that corresponds to something else. And there's a beauty in how the buttons match the fonts and the fonts match the images and the layout, you know, just works. Um, When you try to end up supporting a full site editor where you can adjust, I like one example they use in this article, right, is um, the border radius on buttons, whether, you know, you can have a square button or a round button. Well, oftentimes uh, the style of a site will dictate what that is supposed to be. But in a full site editor, somebody might want to change that. Well, if you start changing it and manipulating it, all of a sudden there's a lot of variables that a creative site will have to adapt and adjust for. And a creative site is already generally kind of pushing the boundaries of what HTML and CSS and JavaScript can do. And when you have to start thinking about what happens if people change this or add more padding here or change a radius or change a color, how does that impact everything? And all of a sudden that site, which was already complex or that theme that was already complex to create just becomes exponentially more complex because you have all of these variables now that you have to 
account for and that there's almost this expectation out there so that probably end customers are no longer going to be looking at a site that's super creative that they can't customize because there's expectation that that has to be supported. Um, and I, I think that although this article is saying that it's not the death of it, um, I think it kind of maybe is, or we'll start seeing some negative impact there at least. What did you think of this, Sally? Um, I, I'm not sure about that. I mean, first of all, um, page builders have been around for a long time and various other tools for changing things. So, you know, if you are a maker of, of themes for sale, there was always the chance that somebody could take your beautiful design. Or if you were a designer doing something custom, there was always a chance that the client could could uh, pick a tool that would let them turn that into GeoCities uh, and, uh, you know, be a nightmare. And, and this is a thing that, that, you know, designers wrestle with because they've put a lot of effort and, and hopefully been, you know, decently paid to make a thing look a certain way. And, you know, if, you're, if your client is a corporation that's got very strong brand guidelines, they want you to, you know, set your site up to enforce that, which you can so far. Uh, with uh, Gutenberg, you can lock down uh, what uh, custom colors are available and uh, certain kinds of things. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, part of the argument that uh, Justin was starting against was was the suggestion that all themes would become what Spencer has mentioned several times. Basically, it was just going to be a blank canvas for people to create on. If you're one of the people who wants to create stuff, that's great. But if you're not, that's like, oh, but I, you know, I couldn't do this. I want something that that like looks good as it is and I don't want to fuss with it. The people who are, you know, more likely to be interested, as, as Spencer said, in just something that's, you know, mainly an editor and and not in doing the layout and so forth. Uh, and people at various points in in between where they may want to be able to tweak something some of the time uh, and not the rest of the time. But, you know, the fact that somebody might choose to uh, make the buttons look different or the typography look different or the whatever look different because there are these controls available doesn't mean that you have to stop Uh, creating something that looks good as it is and that's already got designs for, you know, the header, the footer, the the buttons, the this, the that. And then there are going to be people who are going to say, great, I like it like this. And other people who are going to say, I want to change it. And the thing you mainly need to adapt to as a theme developer is to make sure that uh, it will play uh, you know, that, that your theme will play with those things because people may get upset if they want to change something they've been told they can change these things and then they're, you know, and but, then they're blocked from it. But don't you think that the adoption of Gutenberg and we're seeing kind of some more promotional type stuff, right? That WordPress is pushing Gutenberg compatible themes or blocks, right? Like they're going to keep pushing these things forward. And so the more compatible you are to their page builder, the more things you let people mess around with with Gutenberg, the more they will probably surface and push that content forward, right? Sure, but it, but that's also true for, you know, if you look at the immense popularity of something like Elementor, uh, you know, it, 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 the most popular non-default theme yeah. is something designed for page builders. All right, Wait, Joe. And, um, oh, let me, let me uh, jump in this before I leave my thought, because I'm old, sorry. And oh, then, yeah, go oh, then. Take, take his time with it. The problem with this entire premise is so simple. People who want to create themes need a standardized set of components that have the power and capability to achieve the result. When that doesn't exist, they have to resort to doing the standard old school method of doing stuff. The template hierarchy, CSS, jQuery, functions, and so forth. If there was a standard, like let's say WordPress in a magical land was using Elementor as its core. Somebody right now could do just like we have in Elementor, make beautiful stylistic outcomes built from the standard components. It's like building, buying a Lego kit that's the, the set of friends. It's all Lego blocks, but it's in a kit ready to look like the friend set. 
That's the problem here today is that somebody who wants to make something with Gutenberg, there's like nine out of 10 pieces missing and you would have to resort to doing old school stuff. But then that creates a paradox. It's like, I wanted a button that does this thing and looks this way, but there isn't one of those already off the shelf that I can just style from Gutenberg. So I have to build it. Then you're left with a broken set of components. And this whole thing gives me a headache because we're talking about the same thing we talked about for the last uh, two, two articles ago, which is why, God, are we wasting time on this when there is other yeah. things that are so far ahead? Not us, but I mean, why is WordPress wasting time on this? I have no, well, I think I, I, what was the quick discussion I had with Joe earlier on in part one um, has some relevance to this. Joe, um, you know, with great power comes with great responsibility, doesn't it, Joe? And I've noticed with my own business, which is my own business is to try and make the friction between um, course creators who want to use WordPress to reduce the friction that is of using WordPress to build a course. That is that is the focus of my business, right? By offering hosting, other solution to reduce the friction. But I've noticed, Joe, that the clients that flap around with the size of a button or, you know, the the, the pixel position of their logo and um, the more they gross they get into that, they never get their calls finished, Joe. They never actually do anything. You know, do you think I'm on to something? And there must be a balance here, mustn't there? Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing, right? I I could buy a car off the lot today and I could change the paint job and I could add the flame stripe to it. I could tint the windows legally depending on the state I'm in. I could add one of those gross-looking spoilers... That's perfectly fine. Sorry if you have a gross-looking spoiler. Um, That's perfectly fine, right? The person who sold me the car is not going to tell me I can't do that. But I bought a car I already kind of liked the look of. I want to use my car to drive here and there. Um, The whole full-site editing argument assumes that everybody wants to be a designer, and most people are not designers. They're bad designers. That's, you know, they're, they want to find a good theme. Yes, and some, of the, some people want to and shouldn't. I mean, yeah, but you're always going to have that. And, and those people have the freedom to make their site look as ugly as they want to. Um, I think that in a world where every theme becomes a full site editor, we're going to have a lot of analysis paralysis where people try to do things and then they're like, this doesn't really look the way I want it to. Um, and and this is this is an ongoing conversation in software development, right? There was the 20 years ago, there was, oh, we're on the advent of fourth generation software, software that can write software and uh, websites that can design themselves, right? Or whatever we see like these programs are supposed to like just design everything for you and it's going to be amazing and great. And we're not there yet. I think that ultimately... Uh, Spencer's right. Like we should have most themes. If theme developers want to evolve, design those components, whether it's for Elementor or Beaver Builder or the block editor, you can style every block in the block editor if you want to and make a standard set of elements with simple customizations that people can tailor, whether they are a site builder with no coding experience or just the site owner who's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I like blue better than red, right? Right. I want to go, I know I didn't give Heather, but I'm going to ask Heather to comment first about the next story. So if it's all right with Heather, I'd like to go on to the next one. Uh, um, Because I'm sure she's fascinated about block editors and blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, So why Endurance International Group stocks... Um, soared more than 60% on Monday. I didn't have any of them. This is the problem of my life. Um, well, gosh, think? why would you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, um, um, I've done my best to reduce their stock value, but with no relevance. Um, Heather, what did you think of this story? Um, so, I mean, the story itself didn't really give much of an explanation as to why they thought that it uh, it raised. However... Um, if you look at the trends of all of the the tech 
stocks this week. They're, they've all gone up. And I think that uh, all you had to do was look at the election to understand why. Um, I mean, all, all of like the, the trends in the election, they were already calling it. They, I mean, even on Monday, they already had had an idea the, of which way it would go. And and uh, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's that's why their stock went up, and like every stock on the the index, every tech stock went up. Now other stocks went down, um, but all the tech stocks pretty much went up on the on this the exchange by sixty percent, though a lot <laughs> by a lot. The ones that were undervalued uh, went went up by more than the ones because people that could afford to buy the lower price stocks um, bought a lot of them. So, I mean, the, the whole the whole exchange is up this week. I mean, I, I was like, I just happened to look at my portfolio yesterday and I was like, whoa. So, yeah. Oh, it's nice to have a portfolio, isn't it? But there we go. Uh, <laughs> there we are. Um, obviously, a, a different league of panelists. Uh, um, right, uh, um, Joe, I don't know if you've been looking at your portfolio, but uh, um, uh, any insights in, about this story? Yeah, my portfolio is up too, actually. I actually didn't realize that Apple stock split because I was like, when the pandemic started, I was like, I don't even care what this looks like. I'm like 35. I'm so far away from hopefully retiring. Oh God, you're an infant. I know I am. And I know that that at, in your thirties, you know, you don't know anything. Right. Um, uh, but with, I was having this conversation with somebody. And else. it's amazing. Cause in your twenties, you're sure, you know, everything. Oh, I know. I tell, I tell my kids, I'm like, I, I, I wish, uh, I remember the days when I knew everything. Right. Um, uh, of course my kids are like, uh, four and three months. So yeah, um, they're probably like, yeah, dad, whatever, whatever you say, dad, whatever, dad. <laughs> um, anyway, I was having a conversation with somebody else about EIG and why this might be uh, specifically why the acquisition is happening. Right. Because it is really easy to dump on EIG in our field. Well, I've right? made well, a career of it, Joe. So yeah, right, are. right. Everybody wants to dunk on them. Um, yes, of course, your stockholders but, don't care if the product is crap as long that's, as it's money. That is nearly verbatim what I said, right? EIG is profitable because people who are building their first site don't know what they need, so they want to go with the $2 a month hosting because, I don't know, it's affordable. I know people who are still on some EIG-owned properties who are like, I'm happy with my host. When they start hitting those growing pains, uh, and they're well, yeah, if you've got 12 visitors a month, it's not a problem, right? Or totally fine, isn't it? Or if you have a static site, right? Like, if I just have like a single HTML page, like it doesn't really matter, like how shared my hosting is most of the time. Don't correct me on that. Um, but uh, when you have an e commerce site and you and you start to feel, um, the limitations of cheap hosting, that's when you're ready to, to, to grow. Uh, EIG this year had like, so I'm looking at the article now, but I can't find the number. They grew considerably this year because a bunch of people were like, well, I guess I better have a website. So as far as the, um, as far as the uh, private equity firm that is buying them, they're, they're just improving their portfolio by buying a profitable company because most people just want uh, want cheap hosting, right? They want to cut the costs of a new project as much as possible. Well, yeah. I, I wish uh, uh, Clearwater or whatever they're called uh, more luck with uh, EIG than um, SoftBank had with WeWork. Well, we've, what do you reckon, Stephen? I thought, you know, what did you think of the article? Got any insights? Or you're you're muted, Steve. I feel like I feel like you would uh, have to have more luck than with WeWork. I mean, that was <laughs> not, not a high bad bar. Luck as you possibly can <laughs> can have Too low bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I think uh, it's interesting to always see an acquisition and see how people peg prices. Well, they must they must think there's more value in the alligator than I think there is. <laughs> I mean, really what it comes down to is that they have a solid user base and those users are paying them on a monthly or yearly basis. And the stickiness of website hosting is pretty high. People don't jump from one host to another, unlike other random subscription clubs out there where somebody will you know, be involved for eight months or two weeks or whatever it might be. Um, 
posting is very uh, well. Sticky. Indeed, there, there's been a lot of people that I haven't been able to get off EIG because it's like, oh, but I paid for five years in advance. I'm like, so you want to prolong your misery that long to to like you know not lose your measly you know, 80 bucks or whatever. Yeah, so it's a very, hosting and domains in that world is a very solid thing to acquire by, it's like rental properties where, sure, there's not tons of money to be made there, but it's consistent and the risk is low. So companies like that, especially in tumultuous times, oftentimes do better. And they just had an acquisition which pegged their stock price at like 950 and their stock was undervalued. So, of course, that's why you see that huge, you know, ramp up a little bit. And you have um, all tech stocks, like Heather was saying, doing well. Um, so it's it's always interesting to see an acquisition because you can peg some numbers around it. Um, it was a good article. Here we go, Spencer. There's life in the old alligator in there. Did you know how much AOL makes from email per year still? No, but I would be fascinated to to discover Anybody want to guess? As of this year, well, it could be a little more or less. This was from a couple years ago. As of 2015, this is when I saw the article, they had 2.2 million dial-up subscribers, and they're making 562 million a year in adjusted income for their dial-up service slash email. So think about AOL, as far as long-term stickiness and blah, 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 and people living in the boondocks. AOL, a company from, I believe it was the 80s, maybe early 90s. Yeah, about. but all that, their people are dying Half off. a billion a year. 2.2 million people still going. Yes, it, 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 yes, it, is, it is true. Huh? That, uh, oh yeah. I mean, I remember a friend who had a, a story about, you know, her father and, and his uh, AOL account that, you know, when he heard the, the modem connecting noise, he thought something was wrong, so he would always disconnect and so he couldn't get it to work. Well, well he's probably safe in security terms. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's probably um, long past from this earth, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they will run into that uh, that that issue of their... Um, billion dollars. Well, we, we've got an extremely billion. unhappy person that's very close to a series of buttons that can blow us all up. So, I'm sorry, right. a billion a year because that I just gave you the revenue from the email and the dial-up. The, the revenue with the ads that they still run in that little window that probably shows up like in 640 by 480, $2 billion a year. It's nuts, but that's the point. Like, there's still people that have businesses that are, you know, I don't know we what. We lose sight we of the fact. Got her once a year. Just that, because you know. something isn't shiny anymore doesn't mean it's. Nah, it, that's true. All right, I think we. I think we. They said constant contact. That that like brings up pictures of Tyrannosaurus Rexes running around, going. I mean, oh god! But I have so many clients who have like, please, please, you know, is there any way for people to see our blog more? Well, it's like if you used a real email. <laughs> service provider you could just have a nice rss to email feed and like not spend so many hours trying to get stuff onto both your website and your email newsletter but no you have constant contact yeah they're they're superb aren't they um i think we're going to drop the other story just because um the especially my guest panel has got better things to do um so let's go into our recommendations of the week um i found um I do. I found this through somebody else YouTube channel, um, but it's um, it's a great thing. It's called Action Pack, and it's an add-on for Alamator. And um, one of the problem with a lot of um, Learn Dash and Lifter LMS and the rest, or not only them but other LMS plugins in the WordPress space is they <laughs> set it up a login. Um, button and it it's more painful than it should be, especially if you want to customize everything. You start having to load up plugins that you know nothing about and doing this. And I, th- I think Joe actually had a, a video that explained how you do it in his history. He's forgotten about that one. Uh, um, but um, this plugin enables you um, in the Alimator interface to sort all that out. You know, you can make a custom page for your, and you can set that 
like registered people go to an, another page after they logged in and other people log in other words it's really useful listeners and viewers i was waffling there wasn't i but go and have a look at it it'd be in the show notes so uh, the panel any of your recommendation can you put them into chat because then it helps me um, get them ready to put in our show notes. So, Joe, have you got anything you want to recommend or push to our beloved listeners and viewers? Uh, yeah, so I have two short things, hopefully. One is I signed up for the Apple One uh, bundle because I am uh, an Apple shill. Um, but News Plus is shockingly good. Uh, I was really surprised at that. I didn't think it was worth 10 bucks a month, but uh, their audio, um, you know, they'll hire like voice actors to read news stories, which I think is really good. I listened to a great one about uh, a, a, uh, a guy who was really good at poker, but turned out he was cheating sort of thing. Thought it was really good. Um, so if, you're, if you have Apple News, Apple News Plus is great. Uh, but the pencil I've been using this whole time is uh, from Blackwing Pencils. Uh, they did a collaboration with John Dickerson of CBS, uh, who wrote The Hardest Job in the World about the presidency. And this is a 12-pack of pencils, each with a different presidential quote on it. Uh, and I love stationery, but these pencils are my favorite. And the quote I've been using uh, since I got this is from John Adams. Uh, May none but honest and wise men ever live under this roof. I wonder what Trump's one's going to be. Uh, uh, I don't think he knows how to write, so he probably won't have one. <laughs> right, I'm not responding. I get, e- I get, I get emails from this that saying that I'm extremely left-wing biased on this show. Uh, I, 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 get it, I get it from both sides, so I yeah. just say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, fuck them. That's what I say. Uh, um, <laughs> Heather, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? I do. Um, since I deal with government a lot, um, it's it's really hard uh, dealing with uh, companies that want to use WordPress. Um, so uh, WPVIP.com uh, is, is a group that can do WordPress for government. So if you are a company that wants to deal with the government um, or an enterprise solution, um, definitely go with WPVIP. All right, make sure the, the link's in the chat, please. Stephen, have you got anything you want to recommend to listeners and viewers? You're muted again. You got you got a feeling. Man, about sorry, yourself, I didn't Steve, on didn't you? Friday, yeah. man. I'm already. I know already you chilled out already. Off, yeah, you're off. What you got anyway? Uh, okay. Yikes. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to recommend. I've recommended this before, but uh, my Baratza coffee grinder because we talked a little bit about right to repair, and if there's a company that supports right to repair, it's Baratza. They have like the most amazing tutorials and parts and they support all of their old legacy products for years and years and years. Um, so it's a super co- cool company that is really focused on the right to repair. Um, well, make sure so that you've got their web link so I can actually... Um, He's right. got it in the chat. Yep, it's yeah, in the chat. I, I'm, um, just going, I'm just going to look at it right now. Cause... Oh, there we go. Oh, there you are. I hope you've been sponsored by them. Uh, um, uh, um, I think Joe's sponsored by a coffee company, aren't you? I am. Yes, please. Coffee. Go to yesplease.com. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought I'd give him the opportunity to plug it. Uh, um, Spencer, got anything you want to recommend? Uh, Yeah, there's a a link that's longer than I can say, but it's at awesomeopensource.com. Basically what it is, is the awesome elementor list. It's a list of, I think, about 180 different things. Everything you could ever want to use with elementor is indexed on this pretty much. So if you were exploring, you know, and they have a couple filters on it. Uh, If you're exploring like different things you're interested in using with Elementor, this would be a great resource. It is, because you you save you a lot of time, won't it? Well, you can start with this and go on. I'm sure there's more. But what's interesting is this, this is why, (laughs) this to me is why, good luck, Gutenberg. Good luck, Otto, because, you know, come on. There's like so many people spending so much time on this thing. Then good luck. Good luck. Good luck to you, Otto. That's what good I'm saying. Good I said good, good day. Good luck to you, Otto. Who we got the? You know, oh, I have to get him on the show sometime. I have to. Maybe Joe. Do you know Otto, Joe? Can you can you get him on for us? <laughs> I know him, but I don't know if I have that kind of sway. <laughs> you're a real human being. He's been so diplomatic there. <laughs> I, you can tell he's a professional podcaster. Just a profile. You? 
Being yeah, the, um, Sally, people. you got anything you want to um, recommend to the listeners and viewers? Yes, Smashing Conference uh, San Francisco is happening next week. Uh, and it's happening virtually, but it is right. uh, it is scheduled for uh, times that are convenient for people on the West Coast. Uh, and uh, I am going and I'm looking forward to going. And it's just smashingconf.com. Uh, uh, and they'll show you all the upcoming conferences. How and, much is it? Um, I think I paid like... 250 bucks for it or something it was like their their normal conference price in person is just like you know practically a month's rent and i cannot justify that uh but the online conferences are uh, you know much more affordable and uh, feature all the same people uh even though you don't get to you know go hang out with them i mean la- last year for the uh, uh, san francisco i think it might have been a list apart in san francisco we were able to have um Rachel Andrew, come speak at our meetup because she was yeah. in town oh, for that she's conference. She's a friend of mine. Oh, she's an amazing person, and, and yeah, it, was she, a, uh, it was a great event. And she always looks, she always looks a bit anxious and a bit. Uh, but when, when you're actually working with her, she's one of the most pleasant, one of the most pleasant individuals I've worked for, for, with. Actually, she, she, she's delightful. But of course, being English, she was she felt a little seemed a little awkward with my introduction. Uh, 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 which, you know, carried on at some length about her amazingness. Well, she is amazing. But uh, it, it seems like a fairly simple fact to me. Well, but, she is English. We don't go into all but this. Yes, American, I know. We don't really into this American bullshit, really. Yes, We don't really need our egos uh, massaged. Yes, if, so you're, if you're Americans. British, everything is an opportunity for embarrassment. Yeah, we go. You've got to be, you know, it's an opportunity to take the piss of your betters, really, isn't it? You know. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think Heather, uh, we must have bored Heather, or maybe the satellite. Well, she said she said she had said she had to uh, had to drop off. Yes, she needed to test drive one of those flying cars. Exactly. There we go. So, Joe, what's the best way for people to get hold of you and learn more about what you up to, Joe? If you want to learn more about me, you can head over to casabonaorg start. And Sally, what's the best way to find out more about you and what you're up to? I am either at Sally Getch or at WP Fangirl on practically everything. You won't find me on Facebook, but uh, I hang out a fair amount on Twitter, uh, a bit on Instagram, a lot in WordPress-related Slack channels, uh, and I'm my website is wpfangirl.com. That's great. And Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you are up to? You find me at the farmer's market on Sunday. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> No clue. See me at launchflows.com or you can have a free call if you want news on marketing automation with WP Fusion. Go to WP. You You can have a free chat with Spencer. Yes, we can talk about marshmallows or the election. Lovely jubbly. Uh, Um, (laughs) Stephen, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, head over to zipfish.io, run the speed test and find out how fast we can make your site. And yesterday we had, I thought we had a fantastic discussion about security, didn't we, Stephen? Which uh, yeah, people will be so. listening to next Thursday, won't they? I thought we did a good job. I, I kept interrupting you, didn't I? That's okay. I'll forgive you. No, he's got. He's getting used to it. He's a really nice guy, Stephen. So he just puts up with me. Uh, um, we're we'll see you next week with another great round table show. I think it's been one of one of our better ones with the with superb special guests have helped increase the standard considerably. Um, we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.